welcome to the next episode of the Leadership Roundtable. I'm your host, Matt Anderson. I'm here today with Dr. Conway Edwards as we're jumping in and we're excited to have you with us today. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's huge. It's called Six Things That Every Leader Must Be Doing. Six things, six questions to identify you as a leader. How far are you pushing the ball forward? Pastor Conway, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Can't believe we get to do this again. Thank you for all of those who are listening to us. It is an honor, really, really is, that we get to share a little bit of insight of what we've learned so far on our leadership journey. So really, really looking forward to it. So uh, let's do it, man. Let's make it happen. We are passionate about leaders and growing as leaders. So today, we're going to roll through six things, six questions you should be asking yourself as a leader to know how well you're doing. Number one, the first question we got to ask, the yeah. first thing we got to do is number one, say, "Am this is all about self-awareness. Am I the right leader? What in the world does that mean? Am I the right leader? Of course I'm the right leader if I'm here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're directional leaders. They're strategic leaders. They're operational leaders. They're relational leaders. So you need to ask yourself, am I the right leader? Basically, you need to ask yourself, well, am I a number one leader or a number two leader? Number one leader is the leader who sets the vision, uh, inspires the group of people to accomplish this great goal. The number two leader is the leader who comes alongside that number one leader and helps them flesh out what God's calling them as a team to do. Part of the challenge is, Matt, that a lot of times you've got number two leaders wanting to be number one leaders, and then they not only hurt themselves because the pressure is too great, they also hurt anybody associated with them. And so you really have to ask yourself and answer the question, am I a number one or a number two leader? And you've got to get people who love you around you, who have seen you in ministry to, to help you discern whether or not God has given you that kind of capacity to be a number one leader or a number two leader. I just, I got questions for that. Oh, come on. So I'm sitting here, I'm leading, and I ask people who love me. Right. And I discover I'm a number two leader, but I'm sitting in a number one chair. Uh -huh. What do I do if I'm a number two, but I'm in a number one seat? Well, if you're a number two leader, there you can be a number two leader, up a number one leader up to a certain capacity, and then a number two leader beyond that. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the environment that you're in. It depends on what you believe God's asking you or that organization to lead, uh, the complexities of that, uh, how many people are involved in that. Because oftentimes a number two leader can lead up to a certain amount. And you've got to discern, am I at my peak capacity? Mm -hmm. uh, has God, the, the, the ability and the gifts that God's given me, have I reached the ceiling of that gift and ability? And then do I need to stay here and just enjoy what God's asking me to oversee? Or do I need to get to another level? And if I'm going to do that, then I, then I probably want to find the best number one leader I know, the healthiest number one leader I know, and then go support them if you believe that's what God's asking you to do. <laughs> My next question, if, if I'm a number one yep. and I'm under a number two. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so I'm a number one leader under a number two leader. Then you need to ask God, uh, if this is the season that you're supposed to be there. And I often think uh, that it is the season that somebody needs to be there and you need to develop all the the um, the insight and the wisdom that you can develop. I often say, a couple of my mentors used to always tell me, go to school on your leaders. What that means is my responsibility then is to find out 
How much can I learn under this leader? How much can I support their hand? And how can I make sure I'm not negative? Because once you're negative, you're going to attract who you are. The leaders in the next season that you're going mm. to go into, God is going to send you are people like yourself. So if you're on their number two leader, your job is to see how can I support them? How can I help them go to the next level? And you need to discern from God whether or not he's asking you to be there, how long he wants you to be there, and then support them as much as you can. And ask the question, what are the things I can learn here positively? And what are the things I can learn what not to do in my next season? I think we need to learn all of that as we try to discern whether or not we need to stay in this season or whether or not we need to go in another. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do we, you said you need people around you who love you to help discern if you're a one or a two, who are the kind of people we look for to help? Is it people on our team, people beneath us, people above us? Who are the kind of people that are going to help us discern that best? Yeah, I think that's great. I think oftentimes, especially in our current culture, you have a lot of leaders who just leave their churches and go start something else as opposed to them being sent by the church, which is which is the 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 model that we should follow in the New Testament. So my concern oftentimes is that I think you should stay at a church, and I think that church ought to see your gifts, your abilities, your talents, that God's using you, and then they launch you off. Oftentimes I think, Pastor Matt, we get frustrated, we don't want to wait anymore, mm -hmm. and we just want to go do what we want to do as opposed to waiting and serving faithfully and allowing the senior leaders above you to then say, I clearly, I have seen what God wants to do in you, what he has done in you, and now we want to encourage you to go to the next level. And so we want to support you in that, want to support you financially in that, we want to support you with resources in that to help you get it started. So I believe, number one, you need to ask the people above you uh, and see what they believe God might be saying and might be doing in your life. And then I think you need to ask people who have seasoned experience in the area. And then thirdly, you can go get tested. Uh, they have so many different uh, uh, institutions now that can help you discern whether or not you're a number one or a number two guy. So am I the right leader? For the situation you're in, you got to ask yourself, am I the right leader and, and who do I need to have around me to discern that number two, this one's huge. This is the question everybody's talking about. Yeah. What is my capacity? You have to be asking yourself as a leader, what is my capacity? That's a big one because uh, I think this one for a long time, we have not been able to discern how do I measure that? And I think we can now. I think mm -hmm. uh, the studies have shown that we can now identify some traits that will help you discern your capacity. So I want to give you a couple things that will help you along that path. When you're trying to discern your capacity, I think it's around five areas. So number one is you need to discern your passion and your drive. Mm -hmm. Do you have a passion for what you're going to do? Is there a drive about you uh, that, that you say, man, I can't wait to do this. The burden is so great on my heart. I have to do this. I wake up every day thinking about this. I wake up every day processing, how can we get better? I wake up every day thinking, God, what else might you use uh, me or the team to do to move or to move the ball forward? So I think passion and drive is huge. Number two, I think skill and knowledge. I think you mm -hmm. have to have a certain core level of knowledge that that 
that, that you're going to use to build whatever God's asking you to build. I think you've got to have the skills. So you can't say you want to be a great communicator and a great teacher, but don't have the gift of teaching. Uh, you've got to have the necessary skills to pull that off. So have you studied in that area? And that, that does not always mean academically going to college, going to seminary and everything else. That just means have you studied the art of learning uh, how to communicate. Let's say you want to go into social media. Have you studied the guys who are great at it? Have you spent hours upon hours upon hours studying and learning the different techniques, the different styles, and become a student in this area? And if you have, then it may mean that you might have the capacity to pull it off. Number three is emotional maturity. And this one is huge. Can you handle a lot of different people getting mad at you all at the same time. No. Can you handle a lot of people um, putting demands on you, and can you handle them without getting frustrated? Can you demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of uh, challenging times at home, challenging times uh, with your kids, challenging times uh, on the, at the job that you're doing? Can you handle that, and how do you process your emotions? Number four is your cognitive ability. Do you... Do you even know how to solve problems? Mm -hmm. can, you, can you even solve complex, detailed problems? And some people don't have the mental capacity, the cognitive ability to pull it off. And then lastly, it's just a raw leadership gene. Has mm -hmm. God given you the, the raw gene that, that just puts you ahead of the curve? It makes it easier for you to do some things. Do you have those five? And I think if you are proficient in those five, then, then it means you have the capacity for God to do some pretty special things uh, with your with your gifts and abilities. So I hear you. The last one was the leadership gene. But my question is, there is a gene and a gift for leadership. Mm -hmm. My question is, is which, which one of these five things, and we're going to have them all in the show notes for you, but which one of these five things can I work on? The, can I develop? Can I grow? Can I can I build myself up in if I don't have a lot of capacity? What what's in my control versus what's out of my control? That's a great that's a that's a great question. I think the only one that uh, that 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 becomes real difficult, obviously the leadership gene, and secondly is your cognitive ability. Some of that you you shape in your early years before you're eight years old. And that one, after a while, it gets a little bit harder to develop. Yes, you can read. Yes, you can expand your, your intellect and your insight and your wisdom. But, but some of that gets difficult. All the others, Pastor Matt, passion and, and drive, you just have to know mm -hmm. what's the pain that God's calling you to fix. And you'll get your drive and passion from that. Uh, the knowledge and skill, you just have to put the work in. You're either putting it in because of that passion or you're not. And then emotional maturity, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in you seeking to train you in the fruit of the Spirit. Can you work on your patience? Can you work on self-control? Can you work on gentleness? How do you develop those? That's all a part of the sanctification process. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I, just, I hear so many leaders wanting to expand their capacity. And saying that catchphrase, I want to grow, I want to expand, yep. I want to be able to do more. And I just wonder how much of that can we learn and grow in versus what do you just have? No, that's good. Uh, that's good. But but there's a second part to this that I think is pretty intriguing. So one is your capacity. How much can you handle? Mm -hmm. the, the second piece of this is your trajectory. How high up an organization 
can you go without without losing your mind really uh and and that's the part where it gets a little more complex what the what's the trajectory that you might be on and i think leadership development teams need to master this one because you can get to see the trajectory of some young men and women really really early if we if we know what to look for and so there are three questions uh, that determines your trajectory how high up can you become a leader of a of a global institution can you become a leader of a of a of a local church can you become a leader of a, a multi-site campus can you become a leader of a, a national leader that's leading and i think the three questions you have to ask is number one how far can you see how far into the future can you see? Can you only solve problems that are that are here today? Can you only solve problems uh, for the next month? Can you look down the path uh, three, four years from now and say, we can make the moves today that will slowly get us to turn the ship to lead us in another direction? And a lot of people can't do it. Now, part of the challenge here is when you get a leader, for example, in a volunteer institution like the local church, that can see that the leader above them can cannot see as far as the leaders beneath them, then you have frustration. And that's what usually happens in most churches. We get so excited about putting people we like in positions that we don't consider their trajectory and their capacity. So then you have leaders under them that can see further and get really frustrated because they are, they are confounded as to why they can't see their next steps. Which is why answering this question, how far can you see, is so important. The second question is the question, uh, how many people can you lead at one time? How many people can you handle? How many people can we comfortably lead? If you've got 500 people to lead, how would you go about managing the scale of 500 people? If you have 10,000 people to lead, how do you manage the scale of 10,000 people? Some people get frustrated. If you, this is what the Bible says, if you can't lead your own home, then how can you lead the church? If you can't lead the four people in your house, then how in the world are you going to manage the 100 people in your church or the 5,000 people in your church or the 20,000 people in your church? And so you've got to process how many people can lead. And the only way to know that is to look at what they've done in the past. How many people have they led in the past? Do they eagerly look forward to leading more people. So great leadership developers are looking at how many people have they led in the past and how did they handle that and then how many people might they lead into the future. And then the last question for trajectory is the complexity of problems that you can handle at one time. And boy, this is a big one. How, how complex are the problems that you're dealing with? For some people, they can only deal with one problem at a time. For others, they can deal with 10 problems at a time. And the challenge becomes how many people we can, how many, how many complex problems can we deal with at one time? And I think that's huge. So if you can, if you can wow. get an insight into those three, I think it can take us really, really far. Capacity. That's huge. Uh, that probably could have been a whole podcast. Just it really could. And but, we probably need to go back to it sometime. All right. So number three, the third question to ask is, who do I have around me? Every leader needs to be asking the question, who is at the table? Tell me yeah. about that. Yeah, I think that one's I think that one's really, really huge. And I think it is because you are every person is a sum total of the five people closest to them. What that means is mm. who you have around you is extraordinarily important and healthy for for the future of your church, the ministry, or whatever organization you're trying to lead. So I think the people around you now 
determine how high you will ultimately go, how how successful you'll be, how significant the ministry will be. So I think the question most people forget to ask is, is do I have the right people in the right chair? I think that's a huge one. Um, uh, I, I, I think if you if you have the wrong people, or if you keep the wrong people in the wrong chair too long, then you're holding the organization back. And I think leadership boils down to who do you have at the table that's helping you accomplish what God's calling you to do? And Pastor Man, I'm telling you, mm. this is the part that challenges me the most. It is, do I have the courage to make the the difficult choice of removing somebody, the courage to make the difficult choice to see that it's not working and tell yourself the truth about it, and, and to have difficult conversations with people that are your great friends, mm -hmm. that it's just not working out. Right. And yet, especially when you started a, uh, an organization or a ministry and you, on, with some good friends of yours, and you get to a level where they are no longer competent, mm -hmm. uh, they're no longer able or don't have the capacity to go to the next level, I think that's where it gets really, really tough. And you have to have those tough conversations because great leaders know when there's a problem and we have to remove that person and get somebody with the capacity to be able to pull it off. And that's just difficult sometimes. It really is. You made me think of Sam Chan's book, Who's Holding Your Ladder? Yeah. And how at each level that you go up to, some people that held your ladder to one height can't hold the ladder to the next height. That's exactly right. And that just kind of rocked my world for a So I think about the table and who's at your table. It almost makes me think that we need a, almost like a revolving chair because if we just have the same people at our table all the time, uh, we're gonna be limited. And I think you do really good at this of always having a new person at the table. Yeah, well, I just, I just think you never know when life is going to happen to one of your key leaders. Mm -hmm. And so you you almost must have a pipeline where you're getting new leaders in and you're developing and you're seeing where they are and you're seeing their trajectory that they have and you've mm -hmm. seen their character and deeply what's inside. So I just really believe that it's important for us to always have people that you're developing because you never know what God might allow to happen to any one of us. So we've got to prepare for my exit, we've got to prepare for yours, and always have people in the pipeline to help us out there. Wow, so let's just say, real world, we're yeah. starting a new ministry at our church. Let's say we're starting a singles, young adults ministry. We want to reach this new generation. Who do I need at the table around me? If we have this great idea, we see a problem, we want to address it, who do we bring around us? Where do we start? Yeah, so number one, I would think we have to wrestle with, uh, do we have people that have a passion for young adults? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think you've got to start there because if you don't, then you're going to have people who want to do a task, but they don't have the passion behind the task. It has to be everybody on the team, on the inner circle, has to have the burden that identifies the problem that millennials are leaving the church and we want them to have a personal relationship with God. And because we believe that the best relationship you can have with anybody is the relationship that you have with Jesus, we feel that that's a huge component to the passion. But then you now have to have some people with some skill sets. Mm -hmm. Now you have to have some people who love social media, some people who can do worship, some people who can teach, some people who can process people through the assimilation process. We have to have all of those and they got to be good at what they do. And we have to be like literally ruthless to making sure we're selecting the right people 
with the right passion and with the right skill set. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to start a ministry like that, uh, we're going to spend uh, you know the first six months praying about it, making sure we have the people that are burdened by this, that feel they're on a mission mm -hmm. from God mm -hmm. to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. Once we have that, then you have to find the right people with the right skill set. And as I said, for me, if I'm starting a young adult ministry, social media is going to be a big thing. Mm -hmm. All right, if I want to start that, we're going to have some worship. So we'll have to have a, somebody who can knock it out of the park and worship. Then we'll have to have a couple communicators, male and female, that I think are really good at connecting with people. And then we have to have somebody who can assimilate people, somebody who can put them in groups. So now I've got about six people who's got to be really, really good at what they do, which means I'm not going to start it until I have a number of those right people around us who can own it and then who can run with it as we get started. So I think that's what I mean when I say you have to have the right people, the right people with the right passion, the right people with the right calling, the right people with the right skill sets to pull this off. Is there a is there an ideal size for what's too small or too big? Or is that even the right question? No, I don't think that's the right question. I think I think you start in your home, and if the pastor is allowing you, if it's a larger church, to, to have it uh, as a part of the church, then you spend a lot of time on the front end mm -hmm. making sure that people have the vision and the burden mm -hmm. for why we must solve this. And I don't think you start until you have the right you know, 20, 30 people around mm -hmm. you that really feel called to this community mm -hmm. to make a difference for them. I think if you start it just because you're excited about it, but you don't have the passion, then it will only last a certain amount of time. And once, by the way, once somebody gets married and they think, okay, I'm done, I'm out of this, then it's going to be something I do in this season, but not something I'm called to. If you're called to it, then even when you get married, because you still love your adults and you still want your generation to experience what you've experienced in Christ, then you, no matter the season you're in, you'll still be passionate about it. Wow. Makes sense? Who do I have around me? Who's at the table? That's number three. Number four, the fourth question you should be asking yourself as you grow as a leader and as you recruit new people on your team is, mm -hmm. is this person or this position <laughs> a project or a product? Who am I looking for? I love this question. This question is one of the one of the most challenging ones that we have to ask every time we seek uh, to develop our leadership pipeline. And that is, am I looking for somebody that's young, that has great upside, Am I looking for somebody that's seasoned and can come and steady the ship? Uh, who am I looking for for this particular position? And I think this one's huge. I think both of them have their pros and cons. I think uh, you just need to know which one you're hiring mm -hmm. and know the baggage that each one of them come with. So let's start with the projects. Projects meaning that you're looking for young people who have the passion and the energy, but lack the experience and perhaps some of the spiritual maturity and perhaps some of the seasonedness. And so some of the things that are important in this area is that you ask the question, have they been fathered? That's my number one question I ask of products that I'm hiring. Have they been fathered? Has there, have they had somebody who has discipled them? Have they had somebody who has taught them what it means to bring all of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have they had somebody to do it? Because if they haven't, then there will be a tendency to fight you along the way. And if they haven't had a father that would father them, then the next question you need to ask is, are they asking one of your leaders 
to father them in the process. Because if they're not, then they're going to get mad at you for doing things that fathers usually do. Sometimes you have to hear a no every now and again. And can you emotionally handle a no and keep going? Or are you going to get hung up on the no and then be frustrated with the leader and the whole team because they're not letting you have your own way? So I think that's a huge one for, especially in the young adult area, I think that's a huge one to ask and answer. Have they been fathered? Uh, obviously, uh, if you have the qualities that thrive in your culture, you need to make sure they know those, the expectations are clear. But once you go through that, I think fundamentally it boils down to, in our experience, that if somebody has not been fathered, then you're going to have more problems with them than than you probably want to deal with. So that's the one for that. On the other side of the product, you've got to make sure they are humble enough and that they seek to understand the culture before they bring the last culture they were in into your culture. I think that's a huge one because oftentimes you've got guys, if your environment is a pioneering environment, you love to disrupt uh, what's the norm, and you bring somebody from the outside in, and they're used to a culture where they sit back, they do nothing but manage people, then you're going to have some clashes early on, and you'll have to you'll have to process that. So you've got to make sure they're humble, they they fall in line with the people who thrive in your culture, and you just have great conversations about here's the win, here's what we need you to do, here's the expectation, and you make sure those expectations are set pretty clear. Wow, you said there's some pros and cons. I when I think of project product, I think of baseball, and I think of are you bringing up your your players through a farm system or yeah. through free agency. That's exactly right. So I think, are we going to spend time and are we going to develop and train and do we have time to do that? Or unless you're the New York Yankees and have unlimited money. That's right. <laughs> the Yankees can bring in anybody, pay whatever they want, because usually free agents uh, cost a little bit more money than bringing somebody through a farm system. Not a lot more. <laughs> but what are some of the pros? Like it just seems like to me, bringing somebody up that you can train and mold just seems like, such a great advantage to the organization. But I know there's probably some blind spots. Yeah, yeah. So, so I do think it's great because they know the culture. They can fit in the culture. They have bought into the culture. And so it's smooth sailing as far as culture fit is concerned. The challenge is uh, you can spend a lot of resources developing these guys, and then they go somewhere else. Somebody else called them when you have developed them, which is fine. But you just need to realize you can't train one. You probably better be training five or six knowing that as soon as you get there, they can go somewhere else and you want to bless them as they go. But that's the difficulty of you spending and developing them for three, four years yeah. before they are before they are ready to step into a major leadership role. And then in that fourth year or third year, they say, hey, man, you know what? I think God's calling me over here. And now you've got to now you've got to realize that part of the blessing of leading large sometimes is you get to bless other ministries with other people. And so that's usually one of the challenges that you have. And uh, and and that's just that's just really tough sometimes. That's right. really tough. Wow. Because they're going to become a free agent. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep yep, rolling. Number on. five. Uh, what leaders do? Questions leaders must ask is what are my many congregations? How many people do you lead to lead your organization? How am I organizing and breaking this thing up? What does that look like? Yeah, well, a lot of leaders don't realize that basically when you've got a church that's growing and that's pretty larger, what all, all that you have is many, many congregations. Mm -hmm. And the question becomes, do you have leaders that can lead those many congregations? Mm -hmm. And the better the leader, the le those leaders are, 
then the healthier that organization is and the more each of those congregations thrive. So when you have a larger congregation, all that's happening is that those many congregations are growing, which makes the whole church grow. And so, for example, um, if you're in a if you're in a predominantly uh, white church, then you're going to have uh, a lot of people in guest services, a lot of people in recovery ministries, a lot of people in uh, uh, student ministry and kids ministry. If you're in a predominantly black church, you're going to have a lot of people in the choir. You're going to have a lot of people in the in the children's ministry. You're going to have a lot of people uh, sometimes in the usher ministry, and it just depends. But all of these are all they're asking, all they're talking about are different congregations, and the challenge for leaders becomes leaders of leaders become: Do you have the right leaders that own the overall vision, and are you operating in sync? toward the same vision. And if you are, then I think each of those congregations would grow. And as each of them grow, the entire thing grows. So this ties, the beauty of it. this ties back to number three. Who do you have around you? Absolutely. Do you have the right people leading the right large groups of people. That is exactly right. But a lot of times, younger leaders don't realize that part of the things that's stopping them from growing is that they have the wrong leader over a mini congregation. Because they do, then they're not thriving, and they wonder why they're not thriving. That's because you have a leader whose congregation isn't growing. And if you have five of those, then no wonder why there's stagnation over time. This is this is going straight biblical with Jethro and Moses, isn't it? That's exactly where it's going. That's Leading exactly right. Leading tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds and finding the right faithful people to lead those connection points. The last question, yep. six things is how do I manage and evaluate my team as a leader? How do I do this? Yeah, that's this is this is all about accountability. It's all about <clears throat> you have set the win clear, you have set the goals to accomplish that win and the expectations clear, you've set the culture, everybody knows the culture. Now the question is every week, every month, are you accomplishing the things that we have set out to accomplish. Is everybody moving the ball forward? And if you're not, then just have a great explanation as to why we're not. And so it becomes, at the end of the day, it becomes, are you simply doing what you said you're going to do? And are you accomplishing the goals that you said you were going to accomplish? And this is where we have to have one-on-one meetings. This is where conversations get real tense. This is where a leader and a manager hang out. And we just talk about, hey, man. This is where I see it. This is what you said you were going to do. This is what the results and the facts say. Help me out. Why are we not there? And if they say, okay, we're not here now. Here's why I think we're not there. Here's what we're doing to get there. Then I think you're you're, you're progressing well. If you have six of those back-to-back where we're not moving the ball forward, then we need to go back and have a hard conversation uh, as to, are you a number one or number two? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to have the hard conversation. Do we have the right people around the table? We have to have the hard conversation about, hey, man, are you where are you at in the process? Because I thought you were number one, but maybe you're not. Uh, Let's have a let's have a difficult conversation about that. We're going back to three again. Do I have the right people around? That's exactly right. That's why we live there so much. Do we have the right people around us? Uh, Are we discipling them? And are we telling them the truth about uh, their character, their skill sets, their abilities that God has given them? And then every now and again, you get these difficult conversations that you have. Mm -hmm. When somebody does, you know, something that's not appropriate and you have to have the decision. And that's where we use what we call the SBIs, which is where you talk about the situation. Then you talk about how the behavior uh, 
what their behavior is and then how that behavior has impacted other people. And I think that's a great way to keep it away from personal attacks. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to keep it to this is what we said we're going to do. And when you don't perform at the level you're supposed to perform, here's how it impacts students, not only at our church, but in our community. And how are we going to make the, the necessary adjustments to change the trajectory that we're on right now? So that's the beauty of it. I love it. I think every leader should ask these questions. I think they should ask them of themselves. And I think they should ask them of the people on their team. And I think they, as a team, you should get together and talk through these six and ask the difficult questions as a team and look each other in the eye and say, how are we doing really? I think it's beautiful when you do it. This is, this is crucial. As, a, as leaders, we have to be growing. We have to be evaluating. We have mm -hmm. to be moving the ball forward. So we want to encourage you. Check out the notes that we have for this. Share this with your team. Uh, as you do this, don't just keep it to yourself, but encourage your entire team and those under them, those at the table with you to do this because leaders, um, as we grow, our organizations grow, yeah. and we don't want to be the lid. That's what we want to keep pressing forward. As hard as it may be sometimes, it's challenging. We've got to keep doing that. Any closing thoughts before we sign off for this day? Well, I just want to encourage the leaders that are listening that we're proud of you and that uh, if you ask these six questions, I think it provides unique clarity for you. I think you, will, I think you will help your team and every leader around that team get inextricably clear and what God's calling them to do. And I think that's your job. I think your job for a leader is to, is to be clear and to make sure everybody knows the lane they're running in and to encourage and inspire them to run as hard as they can and be as healthy as they can as they do all they can for the glory of God. So I just want to encourage you and remind you to keep on keeping on as God continues to lead you in your area of influence. Thanks for listening, man. We really appreciate it. We are appreciative and grateful. We just want to ask you if this has been helpful to you, if you would just mind sharing this with a colleague, yeah. a friend, somebody you work with, or leave us a review on iTunes. Do whatever you can to help us get the word out, and it helps raise the awareness of this podcast so that it can impact even more people. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Bye. Thanks, guys.